Good morning and welcome to this Friday edition of The Morning Show. Welcome in everybody and I say we start by checking in with Punxsutawney Phil. Of course, today is Groundhog Day. I want to go over to Gobbler's Knob. This just coming, this is important you guys because this means either we get an early snow or you can forget about your bathing suit. Okay, this is very important. Let's check in with Punxsutawney Phil here in Cut 20, his prediction just coming in. Mr. President. (laughs) Hear ye, hear ye. Now on this February 2nd, Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, prognosticator of all prognosticators, was awakened from his wintry nap at dawn on Gobbler's Knob. Phil looked to the skies and then, speaking in groundhog ease, directed the president to the proper scroll, which reads, Another winter's slumbered pause so I could meet the crowd. Hard to sleep anyway when the party's this loud. I envy your energy. I envy the fun. I envy all of you and your opposable thumbs. But it's not what I feel, it's what I see and what you hear. So gather round and let me be clear. Atmosphere is a wonderful thing. And we can create our own and the weather it brings. It brings hope for the future and so much more. Maybe some Punxsutawney Phil write-in votes in 2024. But what this weather did not provide is a shadow or reason to hide. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day. An early spring is on the way. Let's freaking go. That prediction coming in from Gobbler's Knob in Pennsylvania. This just early this morning, morning, uh, this Friday morning, excuse me. Now, what's very interesting is we must be careful and wary about Punxsutawney Phil because he's only been accurate. Did you know this? 40% of the time over the past 100 years. In fact, over the past decade, the wannabe meteorologist has only been right three times. <laughs> only three this doesn't make me feel good, though I'm, I'm excited and I'm selling the, uh, celebrating the fact that this cold weather and snowfall may come to an end soon. He was correct in 2014, 2016, and 2020. This according to the National Centers for Environmental Information. Now, what's interesting, despite the fact that the people, for these are the, the animal people, the PETA people, they're called the People of ethical treatment of animals. They are very furious that this tradition, which has been over 132 years now, continues on to this day. They've called for Punxsutawney Phil to be retired and replaced with a coin toss. No, as someone who grew up about 45 minutes away from Punxsutawney, Punxsutawney Phil is doing just fine. I know this because as a little guy, every single year I would go to Punxsutawney on a field trip and we would go to the library right in downtown Pugsatani, Pennsylvania, and big old fat Phil, whatever they name him, because I think he goes through some Pugsatani Phil is living his best life inside that public library. 
Now, he is not the only USA forecaster of weather. Did you know that there are armadillos? There's an armadillo that predicts the weather. That's down in Texas. And a possum, or is that opossum? And even a rattlesnake are expected to predict this weather this February. We talked to you last year about Georgia's general Beauregard Lee. In Ohio, they have the Buckeye Chuck. In North Carolina, they've got the Sir Walter Wally. In Louisiana, they got the Cajun Groundhog. Alabama, they have the Smith Lake Jake. Up in Wisconsin, they have Jimmy. And as Todd has shared on this morning show multiple times, and he'll share this on his national show. I don't get to call the shots on Todd's national show, but he needs to share this story because in Staten Island, their guy, Staten Island Chuck, died. (laughs) It's a really funny story. By the way, Staten Chuck also predicting an early spring. So there we go. You know what I can predict as well? We're going to have a lot of fun on the morning show. You guys know one of our most popular segments is Friday with Friends, and my panel is going to exceed all expectations. Pulled in Melanie Mosley with the White Haven Republican Party, as well as Frank Colvett. They're going to be in studio together at 735. We're going to keep them for 30 minutes. We'll talk some local, some state, and some national headlines. But let's look at the state, because not only can I predict with the help of Punxsutawney Phil, that we are going to have nice weather very soon. I can predict that today's morning show is going to be a blast. I can also predict that the state of Tennessee and our state legislature is a crapshoot. <laughs> this body generates more news than any state government in the union. House Republicans are now calling for race baiter. Yes, that's his appropriate title. Justin Jones over in Nashville, one of the so-called Tennessee Three members, to resign. After yesterday, he had the opportunity and the privilege that every American has to cite and say the Pledge of Allegiance. He couldn't do it because he's not proud to be an American, right? America is a horrible, horrible place, despite the fact that he is a public official in this county. Now, rarely do I play a package And especially when it comes from Channel 5 in Nashville, because those journalists are a group of activists. But I've got to give credit to one of their journalists. His name is Chris, and he did a really nice job detailing the incidents of yesterday and the controversy there. I want you to start with Cut 12, please. Every session of the Tennessee House usually begins with a gavel. Now in session. Prayer please and pledge. And gallery, please stand and remain standing through the Pledge of Allegiance. Thursday, it was Representative Justin Jones's turn to pick the minister of the day. The his choice generation. was historic. And with that, I would like to um, open the floor for prayer from Miss Sally Wells. Um, Wells is the first Native American in her own language to give the invocation. But then there was something else that has never happened before. Representative Jones has... Uh, declined to say the prayer. He asked for someone else for their assistance. Jones declined to lead the Pledge of Allegiance. So Minority Leader Karen Camper did it for him. Liberty and justice for all. And so it really took away from what was a a very special moment in this chamber. House Republican leadership was furious. In my opinion, he should resign. That is an embarrassment to, to veterans and to people who have come before us. That's a disgrace what you saw this morning. 
That last voice you just heard is Representative Jeremy Fazing, a Republican out of Cosby. He wrote this on social media. I thought it was interesting and important to read. As elected official, he writes, we swear an oath to defend the constitutions of both Tennessee and the United States. It is incredibly hypocritical and insulting to refuse pledging allegiance to the very flag that embodies our freedoms and the sacrifices of millions of Americans. If you do not respect our nation, its flag, and all of those who have sacrificed for them, you should not hold public office. Again, House Republicans in Tennessee calling for Justin Jones to resign from office. It wasn't just Jeremy Faison. Faison, excuse me. In a moment, you'll hear from one of our guys in the West Tennessee delegation, John Gillespie. But multiple lawmakers stood on the House floor blasting Justin Jones and his disrespectful move. Here is Jody Barrett, a Republican out of Dixon. Take a listen to this in cut number 15. Deserves honor from us as representatives and as citizens. I'm going to stop there before I say something that's out of line, Mr. Speaker, but thank you to everybody that has fought and died for this country. Now, I have thoughts on all of this, but I want to get to John Gillespie, who spoke to Fox 13. He was also very upset, didn't go as far as some of the other Republican delegation and calling for Justin Jones to resign. But here's what he had to say to Fox. Take a listen to this in cut number 14. But I am not a private citizen. Representative Jones is not a private citizen. We are both elected officials that have taken an oath to the Constitution of the state and the Constitution of the United States. And we should be held to a higher standard. And I find it extremely disrespectful to that oath that we both took and quite frankly dishonest for him to sit there and turn his back to that pledge and refuse to do it. Now, in a minute, you'll hear from Justin Jones because he sat down with Channel 5 in Nashville to respond to House Republicans in this state legislature calling for his resignation. But it's very simple what's happening. Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, all of these radical activists that now hold public office, they've been indoctrinated and it didn't happen overnight. They go to schools that tell them at age four that this country hates them. That racism was not solved, that racism continues, and it is still the 60s. That is the narrative in their curriculums. And what has been a fear of mine, and we're seeing it right in front of our eyes, are these young kids, and they're kids, I mean, he's like in his 20s, are now becoming tomorrow's leaders. And this is what it looks like. Here's Justin Jones Cut 11. I'm the son of a veteran. My dad was a U.S. Marine. My Later in his office, US Representative Navy. Jones explained why he passed on the and, pledge. And, and I want the words on that pledge, you know, to be true, just for all. And I serve in a body where that has not been the case. He won't resign, saying he didn't do anything wrong. When I asked the ethics council, is there anything in our house rules or ethics that say members have to do the Pledge of Allegiance? He said no. Because even though I'm a member of this body, as a representative, I do not lose my constitutional right. 
that audio obtained by Channel 5. So it got cut off a little bit. That's on me. But he said, when we talk about the Pledge of Allegiance and we say that, it refers to justice for all. And right now, because we have mass shootings and we have systemic racism in our country and we have disparities between the genders, the sexes and races, there's not justice in America, much less in Tennessee. I mean, my gosh, we played the audio of the trans kid yesterday in the state house, and he said, I don't want to even live in Tennessee because it doesn't represent me. Well, to you and Justin Pearson and Justin Jones and all of the radical activists here that cannot put their hand over their heart and pledge allegiance to this country, get out. Would love to hear your thoughts. 901-260-5926. Our number again, 901-260-5926. More on the other side. Don't go away. And welcome back to the morning show. In our number eight, very excited to talk to Frank Gattuso and Tony Barrasso with the Italian Winterfest. That's going to be a lot of fun. Also, Rebecca Dinstels with Dinstels Chocolate is also hanging out as well. So we're going to have a lot of fun. As I said in the last segment, Friday with Friends means we pull in great patriots across the city, both Democrats and Republicans. We don't discriminate. We're not the left. We're tolerant on KWIN. So very excited to have Melanie Mosley and Frank Colvett in about 10 minutes live and in studio. We'll hang on to them for about 30 minutes. All right, let me read through some of your comments. Um, and I can hear myself coming back on my laptop. So let me not be distracted by that. And start with Kelsey, who writes this about Justin Jones refusing to state the Pledge of Allegiance. Let me just also add, thank God for uh, Minority Leader Karen Camper, who's a friend of this show. She ran for mayor. She did not do well, but she loves this country. She served this country valiantly, and she still does. And she had to pick up the mantle when one of her members in the delegation refused to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, that is the difference between yesterday's Democrats and today's communists. And they're all muddied together in a big old Democrat party. But there are some good Democrats that she came forward and she said, I will say the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, that's like the bare minimum. Kelsey says this, why be in public office if you hate the country, state, and um, community so much? Diane writes, Justin Jones is just trying to keep himself in the spotlight. Ding, ding, ding. Diana's right. Diana, you should be, or Diane, excuse me, should be a political consultant. Because we should not take the bait. Because this is going to end up on MSNBC this evening. Don't worry. He'll be on with Joy Reid, the woman who wears and cosplays as Donald Trump, the black woman with the white Donald Trump wig. And we'll see a repeat of the expulsion vote where they held a, a protest quite literally on the state or the house floor of the state house. And Justin Johnson, Justin Pearson, Gloria Johnson, instead of addressing real concerns, specifically here in Memphis, instead of talking about Memphis crime and how black Memphians are being shot every single night here, you had Justin Pearson hanging out in D.C. with the panelists over on MSNBC. That's what they want again. Also, it should be noted that after those three had the expulsion vote, two of them were kicked out. They got their seats back. They raised millions and millions of dollars. 
yesterday's Democrats cannot pull in those dollar numbers from donors, but these radical progressives can. This is what they want. Don't fall for the trap. Focus on real issues. And then Dean writes this about John Gillespie, who weighed in on this, because John Gillespie is a rhino introducing a gun grab bill. On that note, we're working to get John Gillespie back on the morning show. There's been a little rift between him and I, and I talked to him last Friday, and I said, listen, we call balls and strikes. We were generous to you to give us to give you while you were running for office our airtime. You were elected to your seat. And then that doesn't mean we just rubber stamp everything you do. We call balls and strikes. And when we do that, don't take that personally. Take it professionally. So we're working on that. All right. Have a huge, huge update on a story that really rocked this city in August of 2022. Right in the middle of our district attorney's race. It actually took this spotlight between incumbent Amy Wyrick and DA Steve Mulroy, who was challenging her. He was a candidate at the time. If you remember, Pastor Atora Eason Williams, a beloved Memphis pastor, had just gotten home in Whitehaven. She was sitting in her car, talking on the phone, actually to her husband, who you'll hear from in one moment. When police say this 15-year-old at the time pulled up and shot her in cold blood. Before smoke could even clear from his gun, this 15-year-old pulled this pastor's bullet-ridden body out of the driver's seat and took off with her car, just leaving her left to die in her driveway. It's unbelievable. Did you know that that 15-year-old has been out on bond while this entire justice system has been playing out? It's unbelievable. Well, he got his sentence yesterday. He pled guilty, took a plea deal, and he'll spend the next 20 years behind bars and then an additional eight for carjacking. There were two other suspects in that murder case, a 17-year-old who is serving time right now in juvenile custody. He'll be released back out onto the streets when he's 19. There's a third suspect. He's 22 years old. He is right now at 201 Poplar on a $1 million bond. His next court appearance is February 26th. Now, imagine if that was your family member. I've said on this show, a life for a life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But they will not get that justice because this 15-year-old will be back out onto the streets. Yes, it's a long sentence, but he will get to see his family. He will get to eat meals. He will get to call his parents. And the family, specifically the husband of this pastor, listen to their testimonies addressing this young, horrible criminal. I want you to take a listen to this in cut number 17. Yeah. I will never forgive you, and I hope all your family, especially your mom and your dad and your sister and everyone closest to you, feel the worst pain imaginable with you being locked up. But your pain will never measure up to my pain. We will never hear her laughter, see her smile, or hear her preach a new sermon because you wanted her car to joyride. 
you get the max sentence for your crimes. You are a disgrace. I have hated seeing you out living your life while my sister is dead. That is the sister of that beloved pastor. Her name is Trisha. That's awful. Now, the sad thing is this never should have happened. This 15-year-old had already been in and out of our juvenile court system. At the time when he shot this Whitehaven pastor in cold blood, he was wearing an ankle bracelet. Now, fortunately, despite the lenient sentence, and I'm sorry, it's a lenient sentence, he was charged as an adult. The district attorney ran on a campaign that we try this kid as a kid. He would be out of jail by 19. Ultimately, they decided we've got to try this kid as an adult. Here's a statement coming from the district attorney's office. Throughout this case, our office met with the family of Reverend Atori Easton Williams on multiple occasions. There were split opinions within the family regarding the prospect of trial and other factors. Considering the nature of crime, public safety, and the family's view, we determined that a suitable resolution was to meet in the middle, kumbaya, with a sentence of 28 years. In contrast to the legal provision allowing juveniles the chance of release after serving 25 years, Miguel Andre must serve the entire 28-year sentence without the opportunity for parole. We're on the other side. Don't go away. Happy Friday, everyone, and happy early spring. This coming from Gobbler's Knob in Punxsutawney. He is predicting we will be able to be wearing our bathing suits by the end of February, and I'm very content and happy with that. First of all, want to welcome in my panelists this morning for our wildly successful and popular Friday with Friends, Melanie Mosley with Whitehaven Republican Party. We'll talk about your business as well, and former city councilman, Frank Covette. Who is also a businessman in the city. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having us, and happy Groundhog Day. I mean, you dress for the occasion, Melanie. You know, the camera's on you. You're bright pink. We need an early spring. We do. Especially after the snow we got. We really do. All right, hang tight, because I want to go to our phone lines. BT, calling in from Midtown this morning, has some thoughts on this justice that was delivered yesterday. Some are saying it's not justice and referring to the case of Reverend Atora Eason Williams, the pastor that was gunned down in Whitehaven. BT, what is your thoughts on the case? Is it a fair and just sentence? I am so angry. I am so mad. we got our own criminals here in this city. Now, coming across the border, it's even getting worse with Biden letting in. And I, I'm just thinking that the court system Let's give these thugs a slap on the hand and uh, let them out to do some more damage. I'm mad about that. Amen. Uh, look, it's Frank. Um, you know, when when you have jihadis uh, from Somalia mm-hmm. coming over mm-hmm. the border and it takes them a year to, to learn that they screwed up, and then they find this this guy a year later in Minnesota. Minnesota. I mean, the guy travels all the way through the United States for an entire year. He is a known terrorist on the terrorist watch list. And Mm -hmm. Biden's border let him in. You get into this deal now, a New York City police officer, okay, Mm -hmm. beaten up Mm -hmm. by an immigrant. 
an undocumented immigrant. And, the, uh, and, and and all he does is shoot us the bird, yeah. you know, on camera. Our, our, our position I mean, is simply this, uh, as conservatives, as Americans, and I, and I think as, as, a, as a one nation, you should be able to come to this country. Absolutely. Do it the right way. And if you break the law, you're going to jail. Period. End of sentence. Real quick with this headline, because it pivots into one I wanted to bring up with you guys. Nearly 600 undocumented, that would be illegal, we have Democrats in Congress right now that propose legislation that would ban the word illegal immigrant. That is exactly what they are. They are breaking the law. So nearly 600 illegal immigrants are expected to arrive in Middle Tennessee, this coming in from the Homeland Security, specifically Nashville, Davidson County, uh, Murfreesboro and Franklin. We also know that we've seen busloads arriving in Chattanooga. Now, what's very interesting are you're seeing people now start to feel fed up by this. Some that have voted traditionally Democrat in years past now feel like their votes have been taken for granted because the attention is now on illegal immigrants coming up through our southern border and not traditional Democrats. So those people who have voted blue, no matter who, they have to um, they have to evaluate their votes, because as we see right now, those who vote Democrat, those Democrat leaders, they are not looking after the people in this country, whether it's white or black. They're looking for those who are crossing the border and saying, hey, you know, you come in our communities and then we're going to make this a Democrat city. Because oh, we're going to give vote. you all this free stuff, right? Free right. health care, free education, free lodging, and, and guess what? Guess who's paying for it? Taxpayers. You we, are right. the taxpayer. Taxpayers. No matter, and I don't care if they live in Murfreesboro or Nashville. Right. You and Memphis are paying state taxes, and that's going to them. Right. You in Minnesota, you were paying for that terrorist. You in New York, guess what? You were paying for that illegal immigrant. Call it what it is to beat up your police officer. But how, but we have needs here in Memphis, um, in the black community. We have homelessness. Our veterans are not being served. So is it right for us to take on another problem, other people's problem, just to satisfy the Democrats' agenda? Have we seen that, though, in Chicago? Oh. Where I mean, Todd has been detailing this very well. Yeah. Where, what, what, what day, what, what month, what, yeah, which yeah, one do you want to talk about? So they've turned... Chicago into what lawmakers ask for it to be, right, a right. sanctuary city. Right. So what do Republicans in Texas do? They start shipping illegals to the Windy City. And black voters there are so angry right now with the Democratic Party. Right. If this is not a golden ticket for Republicans to right. target those zip codes and say they don't care about you, and news flash, they haven't cared about you, it's time to walk away. And so the uh, mayor there, um, I can't think of his last name, Brandon, he has been having panic attacks. <laughs> Do you know why? Because you're taking on something that does not even concern you. You have a population there. Your crime is out of control in Chicago. So you're going to bring even more uh, crime into your city, and you can't handle it. They are, they are uh, yes, yeah, so those people are upset. They're rethinking the Democratic vote. I think they even want to do a recall on the mayor. 
from what I've heard. And they are now saying, and this is Chicago, and you can see it online, that they are Trump supporters. Mm. Well, and I think that's all about the messaging we as Republicans, we as conservatives need to share. And is that that America is open, okay, but you must do it legally. And if you are going to break the law, Professor Mulroy, you are going to jail. And I, I and I think it's what the Democrats are learning is is that they think that you know what worked in the classroom is going to work somehow in real life. And guess what? It's not. People are going to be people, and we as taxpayers, we as Americans, we as Republicans, we need a safe border, and we need to convey that message because when someone who has been blue all their life and voted Democrat, this is their opportunity to go the right way. Yeah. All right. I wanted to hit another topic with you that I started this show with. We saw a true patriot, Representative Karen Camper, have to cite the Pledge of Allegiance because a member of the delegation, Justin Jones, one of the members of the so-called Tennessee Three, we have one of them here in town. Mm -hmm. He represents me, Justin Pearson. Mm -hmm. Um, They couldn't do that because they believe this country has not been just. And... Now, House Republicans in the State House are calling for him to resign. What do you make of the headline? We'll move on from there. Look, you pledge allegiance to the flag, okay? This is a great country. This is a great country of opportunity. And it is it is such a simple thing to take your hat off and show respect for the flag, the flag that has given you all of these opportunities and to disrespect that, you know, I, I've gotten into a, a lot of people's faces over the years. You know, hey, take a cap off. It's Pledge of Allegiance. Hey, put your hand over your heart, please. And I, I, it makes me so angry that people will reject the opportunities of the country that they have gotten in and that they would disrespect the flag of the people in the military and on the thin blue line that protects us all, that they would so disrespect them. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, Speaking of flag, there is controversy right now also in the state house because there is a new house bill that would ban schools and classrooms from waving multiple flags, i.e. the LGBTQ rainbow flag, which, Melanie, I'll be honest with you, I did not know we were doing, right? One flagpole with one flag, preferably the American one. But the activists in town and even here in Memphis caught up with Fox 13. And here is what they had to say about Republicans and that bill. Cut 10. That I wish pride flags were in schools when I was a kid because it would have made me feel more comfortable. That, that's just dumb. I don't understand that at all. It sounds like what they want is indoctrination to me, but I'm just leave the pride flag alone. This mom here told me that if the state legislature does pass the bill, then the Tennessee public schools won't be anywhere she sends her toddler. I think it's really important that my son is exposed to all types of communities and can speak really freely. Um, He's also really young and I don't know how he'll identify in the future and I want to make sure he feels really safe and comfortable um, however he, he feels in the future. Your response to that mom. No. So what's next? The Nazi flag. I mean, we live here. We have constitutions. We have rights and we have privileges. But at the same time, I grew up on the American flag. So when you bring out all these open ideas, you confuse children. And we're talking about children with even some adults. So I think it should just stay the way it is and not, you know, be so divisive about which flag and why. Because children don't know. I mean, 
I'm just, I'm lost for words. I mean, Frank, you're a straight guy. Do you get a flag as well? Look, (laughs) I I see it as it's going to get pushed. You know, it's like all things. uh, It's going to start out with this, and okay, I guess that might be okay. And then, oh, well, wait a minute. What about the Satanist flag? What about the Nazi flag? What about... A MAGA flag, a Trump flag. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, there are things I agree with, things I don't agree with. So look, let's keep it simple. Let's keep the American flag. And, And let's all remember, you know, my parents took me to church pretty much every week, and it set that, for lack of better words, guidepost in my life. And the American flag and the respect for the flag, that set my guidepost, my compass points. So, again, I, you know, it, it, I'm just telling everybody it starts with something that everybody can, eh, okay, whatever. And it's going to eventually get abused. So, right now, keep it simple. Keep the stars and stripes. I yeah. agree. Keep, it, keep yeah. it simple. Don't open Pandora's box. Right. You don't want to go there. Right. Because two can play that game. And I always say that. Don't open Pandora's box. <laughs> That's right. Um, here's the Republican lawmaker... His name is Gino Balso. Uh, Balso. He told Fox 13 this and why he is proposing this bill. Cut nine. A schoolroom is not a place to have uh, teachers or counselors or others uh, attempting to indoctrinate students. All right. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we're hanging out. We're going to keep them for another segment. And I have a very important question for the couples out there. This is the month of love, right? The 14th will be here before you know it. Can couples survive not just any difference in how they put the toilet paper on the toilet paper rolls or whatever, how they wash their, their clothes or maybe the way that they do not squeeze the toothpaste bottle correctly? No, we're talking about the big differences like politics like religion, those ideological divides. Can you make it through it? We'll have that story on the other side. Don't go away. And happy Friday, everyone. It is going to be a lovely Friday out there. I guess Punxsutawney Phil did get that right. Looking at the forecast, we'll see upper 60s in sunshine all day. For that, I am very thankful. I'm also thankful for my guests in studio this morning, Melanie Mosley and Frank Colvett. Welcome back, guys. So let's talk about relationships. And I'm not in one, so that's why I wanted to pass this over to the people in relationships and people that have kids. <laughs> because it can be tricky. And I've got this headline. So Billy Baldwin, this is not the one that shot. This is the brother. This is not Alec Baldwin. Um, he's been in a relationship with his wife, China, for years. They've had a wonderful relationship. Up until China gave her life to Christ. And not only did she give her life to Christ, she underwent almost like a Billy Graham crusade. She's now a preacher. And they said it has caused real complications in their relationships because now what they are seeking looks very different. A huge ideological difference playing out in their relationship. Here is the couple. Guys, we have that. I'm looking down at my cut list. Cut 13. You see your life and the world through a very different lens than I do. And sometimes that tends to cause ruptures. You would never divorce me over it, but would we be able to stay truly happy and connected and thrive with me being on this trajectory, this Jesus trajectory? It hasn't been become sort of the partnership that you've you know, yearned for, we're hoping for, but I still 
absolutely love you, absolutely adore you, and completely support you in your faith. That's why I'm sitting here now. So they were on the same page. Now they're not. Can that reconciliation be found? Well, Baldwin, and I don't give the Baldwins credit for much of anything, uh, but in this case, I think he was right. He, he, he closed it by saying, I support you. And I think we all respect that people grow, people learn, we're not static. Uh, and, you know, in, in my life, my wife and I, uh, she is a devout Catholic, and I'm a devout Episcopalian. Uh, you know, if the Pope had given my guy Richard a divorce, you know, we wouldn't have started our own religion there. Um, but all kidding aside, you know, I, all things being equal, you love and support each other as you love and grow. And sometimes, you know, things change like that. But the biggest point I think he made is, is I love and support you. Now, we could translate that all the way over to uh, my family and some rabid Trump supporters within the family and, and a few uh, of my family members that are never Trumpers. Yeah. And so, you know, you get to that point where it made Thanksgiving. Uh, it's going to make the Super Bowl <laughs> party just a little tricky. But, you know, you love and you support. And as long as there's an open dialogue, I think you've got something. And I think that's the failure of the Democratic Party here. You know, they turn around, they say, oh, we're so open and we have so many options for you. But you've got to say he, she, it or he, her, they or yeah. whatever. You have to have this exact title. You know, as Republicans, we turn around and go, look, your life is your life. You're not bothering me. I think for the concern for those that wake up one day and they look at each other and they go, who are you? Because someone has altered their life radically. In this video, it was 25 minutes long. They did end up praying with one another at the end, so that's kind of sweet. But they explain that it will be easier now because they're empty nesters. And I think that's the ch- because they My don't, daughter's listening to they this. They don't have to deal with the kids. That's the issue, Melanie. Like, you have to parent then your religion. So if dad is not in church and mom is, right. that could cause some conflict. In it, home. it could, but at the same time, I think, um, as Christ will say, love and kindness have I drawn you towards me. And I remember growing up in church, there were a lot of women who came to church, but their husbands didn't. So they would not go you know, home and beat their husbands over the head and say, hey, come to church, come to church. But at the end of, you know, at some point in their life, the husbands did join church. So I think my point is that. You don't have to make a person, you know, accept what you do or how you do it. But I think if you do it in a loving, kind way, because he told he said, I I, I still love you regardless. And um, that brings them together instead of her trying to force him or try to make someone. I think that's what draws the um, separation in it, because wasn't um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a Republican. His wife, Marie, they worked together for years and they were different Mm-hmm. Different political she, she was a Kennedy. I mean, I, I, I don't know Kennedy. how people do that. I could maybe date someone of a different religious stripe, but a political stripe where they're Democrats, man, that <laughs> one is going to be tough. But that's where you get into the choice question. <laughs> right. You know, you can choose who you who you love, or you you know, you, or you who you want to spend time with. And by the way, it was Henry, not Richard. I don't know why I was thinking that. Uh, Henry the Eighth. You've got more coffee. It's right. <sighs> more coffee for Colbert. But you know, think of it this way. Um, and I'm going to brag on Leslie here for a moment. She leads by example. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law they lead by example. They go to church. They are very devout. Uh, and I think that of the times that I, I <clears throat> can't get it going, can't get enough coffee, make it to church on time. 
you know, they're always dragging our kids along uh, and encouraging them. I shouldn't say dragging. Sorry, take two. They're always uh, taking our kids along and showing them by example. And I think that, again, I go back to as parents, as leaders, we lead by example. Well, you see these couples, it's it's sad because you're right. You meet someone in your teens or your early 20s. You don't know each other. By 40, you kind of figure out that person. But then you see these relationships, you guys. And now we're just talking gossip because I've seen them where someone undergoes a massive radical change. And that would be difficult to wake up one day and not know your husband, not know your wife. And that that is a kicker. Well, but see, Baldwin, and again, I hate to give him, I'm going to give him two pieces of credit for the first time in my life. They prayed together. You know, they've centered, he is not as devout as them, and he is uh, signaled that he's not going to follow that path. But he is supportive of her journey, and he loves and supports. Now, again, do people radically change? Absolutely. Are people always changing? Absolutely. And and are there points where, you know, you've just got to cut the cord? I'm sure there are. But they're Christ-centered, and that that is... That is the tie that binds. Mm-hmm. I'll give Melanie the last word because we're coming up at the end of the show. Your relationship advice is we're in the month of February. What would you tell the people out there that would be concerned about? <laughs> no pressure. So my relationship advice would be that if you meet this person, someone that you, you know, you're interested in, and it may be something that you can deal with that you don't agree with. But at the same time, you all can come together, enjoy each other's company. And so I would say, you know, go ahead and date that person, fall in love with that person, and I think you will grow together. You might not be on the same page, but I just think there's some way you can grow together yeah. and have some common bond of love and That's good. Support. Happy Valentine's Day, Trump 24. Yeah. Happy <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> if you find out on date number two that they voted for Hillary Clinton, <laughs> pass. Prenup right now. That's all I can say. <laughs> yep, we've got a couple of good That's lawyers. That's a good one. That's a good the one. divorce attorneys on Speed Down. Thank you both for dropping by. I, and I'm not advocating for divorce, but I'm also advocating that you don't vote for Democrats. Thank you both for dropping by, right? Thank you. Thank you. Happy Groundhog Day. Thank All right, you. more on the other side. Don't go away. Throw it out to you guys. Can these couples survive the ideological differences? Give me a shout, 901-260-5926, and we'll talk about it. More on the other side. Don't go away. to wake up memphis and welcome back to our number two of the morning show very thankful to have you guys on this friday morning now i'm doing something out of the ordinary so let me clear this up before we move on as you guys know friday with friends panels are 30 minutes and though the guests that joined me last hour are some of my favorites i'm not showing partiality but they are very zoomed in and tapped into the the pulse of Memphis voters. I.e., we have a former city council member, and we're going to be talking about the council because they have a big decision. Also, Melanie is also very in touch with a lot of folks in Whitehaven who are really upset about things going down on the city council. So I could try it myself or I could ask the experts. So I grabbed them again for this hour. So real quick. Hi, guys. Let's jump into it. So... February 6th, 
the city council is expected to take the final vote on whether to give employees of the city council lifetime health insurance, or at least until they turn 65. You can't even say that with a straight face. I know, because it's ludicrous. (laughs) (laughs) How do you really feel about it? Okay, and and here is what an opinion piece read in the Daily Memphian by a former city council member, Kemp Conrad. He served on the uh, Memphis City Council from 2009 to 2019. He called the proposal ludicrous as it is offensive. And he says tens of thousands of Memphians, white and black, poor and rich, Democrat and Republican, now ask our newly elected Memphis City Council, as it convenes in this meeting, to be served or to serve. That is the question. A lot of people in the city don't want to pay the health insurance for a city council. (laughs) Well, I'll jump in since you're looking right at me. Um, Kemp is my good friend. Uh, we've been friends for decades. Um, and by seeing that in 09 to 19, he automatically is eligible for the 10-year pension and insurance program. Uh, this is for folks who have served for eight years. Now, let's remind our listeners, uh, the way an ordinance works in the city of Memphis, you have three readings. And it has to be passed by seven votes, not a majority, uh, well, a, a true majority, not just a simple majority. And it's up for third reading. Now, tactically speaking, I don't know that this council votes on a third reading. I don't know that they don't kick the can down the road again. Uh, or I think if they do vote, I think it fails. Uh, I think your your, your freshmen so are, are just getting there. I don't know that they're going to get into it. Jerry Green, dead against this. Oh, yeah. Not a fan. Here's what Conrad had to say. Is it fair and equitable that the average everyday Memphians would pay 70% of the premium until age of 65 for these part-time elected officials when none of those paying the majority of the tab has this kind of a rich benefit. Melanie? So, um, I I disagree with the lifetime benefits. I I truly disagree. Um, Again, so you're volunteering yourself to run for office and to become a council member. That's your choice. And therefore, so then you say, well, okay, I'm privileged. I should get this lifetime um, insurance. Well, you already know the, uh, the uh, what the uh, calls for for this particular job. So I agree. I think we should, if, you, if it's uh, something that you're considering, then let the people vote for it. And I don't think that the taxpayers will actually vote That's for it. That's a great it. idea. I don't put it think on the ballot. The tax, yeah, put it put on it the on, ballot. They don't want to put it on the ballot. They want to be privileged, and they just want to tell us, hey, this is what we're going to do, and you're going to have to live with it. But, you know, that's not fair. Um, to, to that end, it's interesting because I just invoked the name of Jerry Green, and she said elected service is hard, but it is the job we signed up for. Signed up. And it's not harder than other city employees who have worked 15 years serving our country or 25 years picking up the trash or a teacher who has worked in the classroom for decades. I cannot in good faith support this resolution because I would not be able to justify it to the hardworking people of our community. She also highlights the fact that there is mistrust between the city council and the voters of Memphis. And she claims this would erode that trust. Well, I think you run into, uh, especially, you know, when you get into the trash and the city workers, uh, they have some very, very good benefits and retirement plans. Um, but I think she really hits the nail on the head about the mistrust part. Um, I, I don't know that this is the right time to have that kind of a conversation. 
um, especially when you have a mayor's pay increase and their, their, his uh, director's pay increase being in limbo like it is. Uh, to remind our audience, uh, former Mayor Strickland vetoed that as he left office, the pay increase for the mayor and for the director level staff. So I, I think going forward, it, just kind of reading this council at this point, I think they kick a couple of those items down the line to really get get their legs up under them. Mm-hmm. You know, go through a budget process, see what who is getting paid where. The budget process for me was the most eye-opening part of where our money goes. All right, moving on to another huge concern for our city, that is crime. We talk about it on the morning show a lot. Well, we're seeing that crime hurt the hospitality industry. Senator Brent Taylor, who has been incredible, met with the Memphis Metropolitan Hotel and Lodging Association where they talked about how you have these conventions that are choosing to not come to the Bluff City because of that crime, and it's affecting their bottom line. Here's the state senator. He said this to Channel 5. I want you to get your reaction in cut number 21. It's a, uh, it's a diminishing uh, return on that asset because they can never get revenue back on that that room and uh, there are conventions that had been scheduled to come to memphis that they read the headlines just like we do and they watch national news and they see the problems that we're having with our crime and they uh, wind up either not booking a convention or they cancel a convention that they had booked taylor met with the metropolitan memphis hotel and lodging association where they told him how fewer people were booking conventions and visits means restaurants are going to take a hit as well that's how it impacts the hotel industry and then that trickles down to the restaurants because if those people aren't coming to stay in those hotel rooms and they're not going to be coming to eat in those restaurants yet you have some of the quote-unquote elites in the city upset about the business community hand delivering a letter to the governor to ask for assistance from the state to address the crime problem here in this city <laughs> i mean my god so um again this is ridiculous it's just the way you have these certain leaders or I guess they just want to grandstand on this based on their ego. But then you have these businesses, these multi-million dollar businesses who are concerned about this city the same way Senator Brent Taylor is. And so they are moving forward to try to, hey, let's let's uh, get in front of the problem. Let's try to do something. Whereas you have your other group that says, well, we don't want you to do that. We want to become a desert city. I don't I really don't quite understand the logic behind those that will be against the business leaders. Look, you have you have businesses. You have the Smith family, the Hyde family. They built multi-billion dollar businesses and they built them in Memphis, Tennessee. They should have a voice. And for Professor Mulroy to be so upset just all of a sudden that he would be challenged or questioned his authority, <laughs> that is disgusting. Because at the end of the day, it's the businesses who, by the way, their properties pay three times the residential taxes. Yeah. It is those businesses that are funding Memphis, Tennessee. And to turn around and disregard or somehow demean those good folks or any citizen, for that matter of fact, it is bizarre to me how someone could turn around and say, well, crime can't possibly be that bad. People vote with their wallets. And if they don't come to the convention, then the bartender, the hotelier, they're the one that take it in the neck, not necessarily FedEx. FedEx is standing up for them. Yeah. So I, I, it is, you it, know, it's insulting. When I look at these stories and these massive corporations like the ones you just listed, these huge hotels 
yes, we have to have them to have a vital Memphis, but I look over at different parts of the city. Whitehaven, for example, they're trying their best. And now let's zoom in on those mom and pop shops. If FedEx is struggling right. because of the crime, how can you fathom the struggle and the burden this is placed on a mom who is trying to keep her restaurant over, op- open in, in an area that has been riddled by crime, Melanie? Right. And so um, there's a coffee shop that's in Whitehaven. Um, I think someone came and vandalized their store. And, you know, like you said, they're not the big Starbucks corporation, but at the same time, they're trying to make a living. They're trying to provide a service for the community where um, and, and, you know, hire people so that they can have jobs and keep the people off the streets from having, you know, committing crimes. So, I, I, like I said, I'm not quite understanding the logic, but, um, you know, our people do suffer. The small mom and pop companies do suffer when the crime is just out of reach and they don't have an um, answer to resolve those crime issues or and it, can and it always, just con- continues on. It continues on and it can always get worse. But we Look have no great further leaders. Than Fran- uh, San Francisco, Oakland, California. It can't actually get worse than Memphis. Chicago. I'll give you the last word. Frank. New York. Look, guys, when illegal immigrants are willing to beat up a police officer, New York's finest, and then flip the bird at you, <laughs> at me, <laughs> at America. I'm sorry, the liberal experiment has failed. Crime is out of control. It requires leaders with backbone. And if business leaders are the ones to stand up and say enough, I join them. Enough. It is unacceptable. And what? And let's close it by saying, Senator Taylor truly is a gem from Memphis. It what is. he is doing is truly special, standing up and fighting like he is to stop the liberal agenda. Yeah, yeah. We're thankful for him. All right, guys, thanks for dropping by and hanging out, all right? More on the other side. Don't go away, but want to hear from you guys. Our telephone number, write it down, 901-260-5926. Number again, 901-260-KWIM. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the morning show. Very excited. Cannot believe it's actually been a year since I hung out with my friends over at the Italian Winterfest, which is right around the corner. Very excited to welcome in Frank Catusto and Tony Barrasso. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Good to be back. So this is great because, I mean, this accordion music, I will tell you, is the only time we ever get serenaded by this. Right. And what were you playing? I was doing the theme from The Godfather. That's what I thought. Probably the most famous. Famous. Song. I, I thought I thought that was what it was. Now, welcome in, guys, because it's crazy. With time, it oftentimes flies. And I was checking my calendar, and I looked up, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it's time for Italian Winterfest again. So right around the corner, and what's neat is we just had a couple of city council members on, and they will be honored at this year's Winterfest. Absolutely. We're honoring, uh, you know, uh, Philip Spinoza and uh, Ford Canale and uh, uh, a great community member, Barbara Dosh. So it's going to be fantastic. So this is the 12th annual 
Italian Winterfest. Right. For those that may have just heard about this for the first time, which would be shocking because it's been around for a minute. When did it start and why did you decide to start it? Okay, uh, Ben, 12 years ago, this is our 12th year. 12 years ago, I'll never forget, uh, the late Sam Bomarito was my cousin, the owner of Pete and Sam's. And he kept one of my accordions in the restaurant. And I just remember this certain night that uh, when I went in, he'd always make me play the accordion, work the room, you know, mm-hmm. with the Italian happy stuff and all that. And I'll never forget, um, I finished one night and I said, Mr. Sam, you know, the Italians, the food, the great food, the great music, why don't we do a benefit? It came out of that idea. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, Tony, I think that's a great idea. I think I don't think we could fail. I, it'd probably be finding a place that would hold enough people. And uh, we got Angelo Lucchese involved, the liquor man. Mm-hmm. This was way back. And we started at Christian Brothers High School, Heffernan Hall. And I remember we all went around the room. How many people you think we can get for the first year? Maybe 150, 200 people would Frank, you, I don't know if you were at the very first one, but What'd you pull in? we had over 400 no in that hall, Heffernan Hall. So we basically outgrew uh, Christian wow. Brothers. Wow. And from that point on, we went to the Racket Club. I was the, the restaurant manager there. And we had it in that big venue, the tennis courts. And it went into about seven, 800 people, didn't it, Frank? Right. From right. that point Absolutely. on. and. Have you always had proceeds benefiting the same organizations, or has that also evolved over the last 12 years? The first year we did, we had this idea because I went to Christian Brothers to have Christian Brothers and then the Catholic school system. Mm-hmm. They would split the proceeds. And then after that, we got Frank Gattuso involved with uh, the Ave Maria home. And he said, Yeah, I'll do it. I said, there's no better uh, charity than the Ave Maria home. Yeah. And then we did that with the Catholic school system, and they split the proceeds. Frank, the- real quick, talk about some of the work you guys do every single day. Yeah, uh, at, you know, Ave Maria, uh, St. Anne's School and St. Paul School, as well as the Unico Charities, those are the th- uh, beneficiaries uh, of our event. And all of them are doing great. You know, we're, we're educating young people. We're taking care of our seniors and our elderly. And we're giving scholarships through Unico uh, to folks in the community who need help going to college. So we're trying to, you know, uh, really reach out to the community in our own way and uh, by education, health care, and community service. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some of the fun because, I mean, someone's think Italian, and there will be a lot of really delicious Italian vendors. We'll talk about those. Exactly. Uh, but I was looking, Gibson's Donut, I, they're not Italian, but you're going to have all sorts of different food out at the big festival. We are. We are, Ben. We've had, Frank is, uh, this is my buddy that's been with me since basically day one. And we've watched this thing grow together to where we now have, is it 14 restaurants? 15. 15 restaurants. Wow. Italian and non-Italian. And we'll have all the wine, we'll have the beer, we'll have everything you could imagine to drink. And it is what it is. It's a great festival. It's it's fun. No, it absolutely is. We've had a couple of listeners reach out and ask to get you guys back on the show. 
from last year's interview, so I wanted to get that on the books. Um, so it is this Sunday from 5 until 8. Do I have that correct? That's correct. All right, want to make sure. For people wanting tickets, we still have more time, but where would they go to secure a ticket in a spot? Um, just have them call me. Um, that would be the best way to do that. Um, sure. it, uh, let me just give you the number is 901-828-5112. 901-828-5112. They can just call me. If I don't answer, they can leave me a message, sure. and I'll get back with them. All right. Ben, ben, it's St. Benedict. Yeah. Okay, we'll throw that number out one more time. Okay. Now, you, so you came back with the accordion music. This is a rarity. I mean, do they even teach accordion lessons? Or, or do you see a new generation of, what, what do they call them? Frank was just talking about that. I mean, this, It's a dying art. It's, to me, it's like an artifact. Right. But right. it's a beautiful instrument. It is a beautiful instrument. And I was telling... Everybody I talk to, especially the younger people, I try to explain that in the early 50s when I started, all the kids wanted to take either accordion or piano. It's hard to visualize that now. Yeah, I can't imagine. And then you know what happened? What? Our beloved Elvis came in mm. with the guitar, ah. changed the whole culture. Of Then all the kids wanted to play either piano. I mean, the, uh, now the, then the guitar. But before that, piano. And accordion. When did you start? Uh, I was seven years old. I'll never forget. I was Someone telling, give you an accordion or you wake up one day and say, that instrument, I want it in my hands and I'm going to learn it. <laughs> no, I was telling Frank, like I've told everybody, they'll ask me, how in the heck did you start playing the accordion? Well, having an Italian mother, uh, Sicilian, you don't question mama. So I'll never forget this. One day she said, Tony, get in the car, son. I got in the car, and I said, Mama, where are you taking me? She said, you're going to be an accordion player. I mean, just like that. So they took me to this new place that opened up, Central Academy of Music, and they strapped this little 12-bass accordion on me. This Not the can, one you have on this you. This is 128 bass, so you can imagine the size of the 12-bass. Yeah. And, uh, Ben, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the smell. I fell in love with the feel. And... It's just been part of my life since that day. That looks heavy. It, it, Are you, <laughs> I ask people, do you have any? Do you want to take a guess as to what this an accordion weighs? A professional? Wait, I, it's six, sixty pounds. What sixty pounds? Yeah. Now, when I was a young man, I could carry this around three to four hours a night, and. Uh, Things change when you get older. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need to start doing. I need to grab one of those and start getting washboard abs and just by playing, playing the accordion. All right. Well, a lot of fun. I want to throw out that number one more time because I think it's important. You can get your tickets or a table. And if you have any questions, I want you to call Frank Gattuso at 901-828-5112. Again, that number is 901 828 Five one one two. We have about forty five seconds. I'll give you both the last word. Well, I would just say uh, I wanted to remind everybody that the all of these great restaurants are not only the best Italian restaurants in Memphis, but they're non Italian also. So 
uh, put that on your list. Everybody loves Italian food, but we've even got more than that. Uh, right. Absolutely. Folks Folly, Andrew Michael, yeah. it's going to be great. Salt Corky's, yep. my Corky's. favorite barbecue. Yep, yep, yep. Amazing. All right, we're going to let Tony take us to break. Babe, real quick, Frank Catuso, Tony Baris, uh, Barrasso, excuse me, with the 12th annual Italian Winter Fest. Guys, you've got to do it. And with that, take it away, my friend. <laughs> Welcome back to the morning show. I've got a study and some polling that may shock you. Maybe it won't. YoungGov polled women on what they'd like to receive for Valentine's Day this year. And maybe the answer will surprise you. But the topic this actually did. I expected a box of chocolates, maybe roses, a nice dinner out. They said a, a card. But coming in number two, women still like that box of chocolates which is why we had to have our friends over at Digitals on the program and joined by Rebecca, a friend of the morning show. Rebecca, welcome back and happy month of love, my friend. Well, good morning, Ben. It's great to be with you again, and it is an exciting month. It has to be for you guys. I mean, I imagine your busiest seasons are Easter and then Valentine's Day. You guys busy over there holding up all right, my friend? Well, uh, we are very busy getting all of those heart-shaped boxes packed with fresh handmade chocolate. So we're going to be ready, and it is kicking off, and the stores are getting busier every day with customers coming in to select their favorite heart-shaped box or to place an order for the chocolate-covered strawberries. I love that. Chocolate-covered strawberries. Now, that's got to be an art because you have fresh fruit. And I've always wondered how that works, Rebecca, where you have a live piece of fruit. I guess it's cut off from the plant. But you have to dip it then in your homemade chocolate. It's no easy thing to get that perfect in the recipe right. Well, it is a very delicate thing when you're working with fresh fruit. But we take the, this year we'll be using Florida berries to kick off the mm. season, and we clean those, and we take the cap off the berry because we're going to totally immerse that berry. We dip it into our special sugar fondant, then it's enrobed in milk chocolate. And what happens is that special fondant begins to break down and becomes juice. So if you can wow. imagine all that strawberry juice inside there covered in milk chocolate so you when you bite into it sometimes we say you just need to sit in the bathtub and enjoy it (laughs) it is going to be it's maybe a little messy but there is nothing better 
Yes, with a glass of wine. I, I can. It's it's perfect. I've got to ask though, when these guys come in to your shops and you have multiple locations, we'll talk about that in one second. They're manic. They're frantic. You see them even at the Walmart. They're trying to get a card last minute. What is the number one bestseller for you guys? I, I mean, I'm looking at your gallery on your website, Dinstools.com. Is it the box of chocolate in a heart shape, Rebecca? Well, that is definitely some of the most popular. And we have them from three ounces to seven pounds. So you've got quite a variety. It'll fit anyone's pocketbook. But also... Some of the specific flavors are different kinds of candy that's most popular. Definitely the strawberries are very popular, but the turtlettes are mm. very popular. Chocolate-covered cherries, chocolate-covered caramels. So you name it. Sometimes it may be chocolate-covered nuts. Or one of the special things about Dinsels is let's say your sweetheart likes only chocolate buttercream. Mm. We will hand-pack that special heart-shaped box just with her buttercream. So you've got, you know, we can do it all. You, we can get an assortment or we will make it very specific just for your sweetheart. You can you can mix and match. I like that concept. We are people that like options, aren't we, Rebecca? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and Okay, so let me tell you something. I was at the Memphis Food and Wine Festival, not last year, the year before. And uh-huh. you guys had your booth out there and I fell in love with your truffles. I've never had oh, a truffle. Yes. <laughs> do you do you have those in your Valentine's package deals as well? Absolutely. We have truffles that are flavors galore. And uh, that is definitely another favorite during the Valentine season. And we sell thousands of truffles throughout the year as well. But Valentine's is one of those special days that you kind of think about chocolate. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely one of the the favorite one. I've got to ask, and we kind of talked about this the last time you were on the show. I believe last time it was for Valentine's Day, or maybe it was Halloween. I forget. But anyhow, uh-huh. you were talking about the family recipe, which stems back all the way for nineteen or nineteen oh two. Do I have that correctly? That is, that is correct. This is our hundred and twenty second year in business, and wow. fifth generation strong. Andrew's in the kitchen supervising all of the production. Many times he's the one stirring the kettle. So um, we take great pride in making sure that we are respecting those formulas and recipes so that when you can taste that chocolate, you will have that memory of your childhood. And when your grandmother used to bring you into the candy store, you know, those wonderful memories. So taking a bite of Denzel's chocolate will bring back wonderful memories of your past and also brings a little smile to your face. Mm-hmm. I wanted to mention this as well because the Super Bowl is right around the corner, as you're well aware of. And this is a fun yes. fact that maybe our listeners are not aware of. You guys have been called upon for many years to make different products for big events, such as Elvis Presley. I mean, how huge is that? But Super Bowl number one. 40, you guys got a call and said, can you bake a batch? What, if chocolates? Do you make a big football or a trophy? Uh, well, they called us and asked if we could make a product called Truffle Pops. So we perfected that formula. We made Truffle Pops, and we shipped 8,000 no. to the Super Bowl in Detroit. And that was so exciting. Oh, wow. 
All right. Well, Rebecca, thank you for dropping by. And again, folks can find out all of the yummy things we're talking about on their website, dinstools.com. Again, dinstools.com. Thank you and have a happy Valentine's Day. Big fans of you. I know Todd, my boss, wanted me to mention that as well. We love what you do. Say hello to Todd for me and y'all have a wonderful Valentine filled with love. All right. Good stuff. Going to leave it there. You know, what's very interesting about this year is we are going to be doing a big old giveaway in about a week. And we've partnered with a lot of great businesses like Dinstall's. Hughes Flowers as well, Collierville Spa. You'll be hearing more about that as we go throughout next week. But very, very, very excited to have so many great businesses join our partnership in making sure you're taken care of and the guys in the doghouse can get out. Now, you guys know we talked about Groundhog Day this morning. I mean, fantastic news. But someone who has covered this event as a correspondent for years is my friend Robin Puffman, American journalist. And Robin, I was talking about some of the memories that Todd has shared with me. Staten Island Chuck. We've got to talk about the different variations of these weather forecasts across the country. But good news as we start this Friday that we'll get an early spring, my friend. Yes, the only groundhog that counts is Punxsutawney Phil. Thank All you. The rest, are imit- the rest are imitators. They are wannabe groundhogs. And let me tell you, Ben, I started covering Phil years ago, and um, it was quite the assignment, to say the least, when you head up to Gobbler's Knob, and um, people get up in the wee hours, and it's like an all-night affair with uh, bonfire. Uh, there might be some adult beverages oh, <laughs> involved. God. And then there's the... Uh, you know, the elders that are in charge of, <sighs> they wear their hats, they're, they're all dressed up. This is very serious. It's you traditional, know, right? It's right. They, they wear uh, tuxedos and top hats, and it is quite the party. And then Phil comes out. But here's the best story I've got for you. I, I've been out there a couple of times, and the entire town of Punxsutawney, if you've never been there, they have statues everywhere, like in front of the local McDonald's, in front of the post office. And they have, you know, all sorts of restaurants. It is super fun. I, I highly recommend <laughs> visiting. And they have a museum. However, yeah. 9-11, the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, were out in Shanksville. And I had to, like, decompress from the memorial service, you know. It was of a course. lot. It was very, obviously very heavy. And so I said to my husband, I'm like, you know what? Have you ever been to Gobbler's Knob? He's like, what? I'm like, (laughs) he's like, no, I've never been there. I'm like, well, guess what? We're going there. It's like a two-hour drive, but we're heading there. Because I really had to decompress. So anyway, we head there, and you'll never believe it, but it was the monthly meeting Mm. of, you know, the people that that run this craziness every year on 2-2. And they invited us in, and and there were adult beverages. I was driving, so I was not having one. But guess who was there? Punxsutawney, Lou Phil, was in his little cage. I posted some pictures on social media. You can feel free to, um, I I tagged you on Facebook. They put in the actual real Punxsutawney Phil Robin into the meeting. 
oh, he's been alive since the 1800s. <laughs> and he was having a piece of corn, and it was so great to see him, and we visited and, and took pictures, and he was like in his little clear white cage, and everyone was hanging out with Phil, and there were some people doing some shots, and um, <laughs> it, it was, again, quite the party. <laughs> that is... Phil is right about 40% of the time, by the way. And it was a good therapy. I mean, a way to decompress, right? I mean, you contrast the two events that you were covering on the Punxsutawney Philby and what you were covering. I mean, my goodness. what and I was watching some of the footage this morning, Robin. 20,000 people showed up, and it's not just from Pennsylvania or Ohio in that area. All over the world, Robin, to see one guy, and that would be Punxsutawney Phil, obviously, make this weather forecast. Now, did you know this? You probably did, because you're a very smart journalist. He's only been right three times, Robin, in 2014, 2016, and 2020. So, (laughs) thankfully... I'm telling you, he's got about a 40% track record in the last 10 years, but you know what? He is the original... I love Phil. I have all kinds of Phil memorabilia in my house. I'm wearing a Phil pin and Phil earrings right now. And I'm posting all my uh, Phil pictures from over the years. Uh, When when Todd and I, back in the day, worked together at Fox News Radio, I had a little stuffed animal Phil. And he was our our mascot. Mm Mm-hmm. He was your buddy. Um, all right. Get, he sat, you know, he sat on our desk. Yeah. Uh, so, Robin, I actually grew up 40 minutes from Punxsutawney. And every year, oh, wow. every year, my field trip involved going to the town of Punxsutawney, which it's not a big town, as you know. And it, it, in, the, yep. in the public library, that's where they house this guy half the time. And, you know, it's this mystical creature. But when you take all of the the shots, the alcohol, again, I was a kid, so we weren't doing that out of it. He's just vibing out in the in the public square there. I would tell you that up there with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny is Punxsutawney Phil. I agree. He is a legend. He is a legend, my friend. And, you know, I'm a hard news journalist. You know that, right? But- yeah. I'm telling you, there is nothing like covering Punxsutawney Phil on 2-2. It's always the same. It repeats. It's just like the movie with, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Murray. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have posters from that movie. And who knew that that movie would become such a classic? And I'm glad that you came on here and clarified because we've had some people saying different variations. I guess there's an opossum that reports the weather forecast. You've got an armadillo, a rattlesnake. No, I'm not talking... General Beauregard Lee. I'm not doing Ohio's Buckeye Chuck or North Carolina Sir Walter Wally. Louisiana's Cajun Grana. There is what? Only one punk Satani Phil Robin. And with that, we're going to leave it there. Thank you for the update, my friend. And Yes, alligators from Florida could not predict the weather. No, no thanks. absolutely not. All right, going to leave it there. I'm going to grab some of those photos and I will share what I can with our listeners because I want to see them. All right, good stuff. Going to break. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. It has been a ton of fun, hasn't it? Now, some people will say we should be doing more hard news. It's Friday. We've done a lot of hard news. And it also is very important to clear the air because Robin and I are both in agreement that the United States of America only has one weather forecast, and that is Punxsutawney Phil. But my boss, station owner Todd Starnes, absolutely disagrees with that on its face. Todd, 
No, there is only one forecaster, and he was on Gobbler's Knob this morning. Ben, you're fired. <laughs> so, no, I, I should. I, I'm I'm listening to this conversation, and of course, Robin is from Jersey. You're from Pennsylvania, and everybody in the South knows that we have our own groundhog here in the Southern states who does a much better job of prognosticating the the uh, the weather. And I'm who is that? I'm talking about the great General Beauregard Lee. No, no, no. This is an actual. This is an actual person. So, where does he stem from? Is this a Southern state where they derive their for- forecaster from? Yes, that's right. General Lee is a Southern groundhog uh, who lives in a little plantation house. Uh, this is all happening in Jackson, Georgia, every year. And uh, if General Lee comes out and he doesn't see a Yankee, then uh, we've got an early spring. <laughs> this is not true. Wait, I'm looking. Todd, this is true. Uh, like, is true. They held their own celebration this morning. So he is also, I'm getting this in our news center this morning, General Beauregard Lee from the southern states. He's predicting an early spring. I guess they maybe got together before they forecasted him in Pugsatani, Phil. Todd, but you've also covered the Staten Island Chuck. That was my favorite. That was my favorite moment. His story bit. is unreal. He bit the mayor, and then the mayor dropped the, the groundhog and killed the groundhog. And in my, in look, in defense of the groundhog, you never the groundhog didn't want to come out, and so the mayor of New York City stuck his hand inside <laughs> the groundhog no. chamber, and that's when the groundhog attacked. So. I think that the Castle Domain doctrine applies here, mm. that the mayor was breaking and entering, and the groundhog was just protecting its turf. And Chuck died. That's a terror. The gasp. The mayor lost re-election. Yeah. Uh, so, and, but I'm telling you, you don't want to mess with Staten Island, Chuck. Any groundhog that is able to survive in Staten Island, you don't want to mess with. All right, so Todd, our journalists have been working in this segment to get the prediction rate of General Bo regardly because Robin pointed out Punxsutawney Phil has not always been accurate, much like the New York Times and how they predict elections. But he has an actually high prediction rate, Todd. He averages above all of the nine regions with a 63% accuracy rate. Compare that to Punxsutawney Phil, who's only got it right three times. Well, the, the only downside to to our southern groundhog, General Beauregard Lee, who lives in the plantation house in Georgia, may I just say, <laughs> how politically incorrect can you possibly get? Um, if, if I could say the only problem is that they do ask people when they go to the celebration not to bring their shotguns uh, because, you know, the people, you know, they, they see the groundhog and, you know, they want to shoot it. I'm shocked it still remains, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, I was listening to your show two days ago, and you were talking about some of these demonstrations where they were tearing down more statues. How this thing, Beauregard Lee, has not been tarred and feathered in the public square may be the last remaining homage to the South, Todd. Well, we're a tolerant people, Ben, yeah, as, we are. as you have learned as a, as a Yankee living below the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah, yeah, I love it. All right, thank you, Todd, for, I guess— making our coverage on the weather forecasters a little bit more balanced, which is what we try to do on the morning show. All right. They're balanced. That's all we can ask for. <laughs> That's what we promise and we deliver. All right. Get back to work. We'll talk to you at 11 on your national, national show. show.
All right, before we scoot to break, since we are talking about Todd, I did jump on air yesterday and I got the first book. I think Todd got the first book. That's how they roll out. When an author writes a new book, they send advanced copies. Todd was kind enough to gift me one. And I'm looking at it in my hands. You guys need to go pre-order this. You can get it on Amazon. And of course, I'm talking about Twilight's Last Gleaming, Can America Be Saved? It's very, very well done. And I took a couple pages and read through them. I'm going to spend my weekend reading through it. And I'll give you guys a little summary on Monday. I can't tell you too much because I'm one of the lucky people that work for Todd. And I got an advanced copy. But you too will be able to get your copy very, very soon. Go ahead, pre-order that now. You can do that on Barnes & Noble, also Amazon. That does it for the morning show. We've had a lot of fun today. We'll pick it up on the other side and talk more politics. I was going to be joined this morning by Scott Golden with the chair of the GOP in the state of Tennessee. He's been in Vegas, and that's been a huge story with the RNC. It is literally a mess And he's going to give us a first-hand account what went down in Vegas on Monday morning in a KOM exclusive. So very excited to bring that to you. Of course, we'll pick up our coverage of your top local stories as well. Go check out our website, KOMradio.com, KOMradio.com. Miss an interview? That's okay. And I'd also be remiss if I didn't encourage you guys to tell your friends about the number one news talk station in the city of Memphis. And we've only been around for three years. That shows the power of hard work and you guys out there that have pushed us to the very tip top. Have a great weekend. We'll talk Monday starting at 7.